0: Hey, thanks for tuning in to today's sermon. Before we get into it, you know, I get messages and emails and and often run into people all over the country and literally around the world that God is using this ministry to impact their lives. And I believe that's you as well. God's using this word to sow into your life and to bear fruit in a really great way. And if that's you, I wanna encourage you to join us in our year-end offering called the Kingdom Builder Offering. This offering goes 100% to accelerating the vision reaching people far from God so they'll become fully alive in Christ and if you're a part of our extended online family I want to challenge you to be a part of that offering to pray about what God would have you to do as a part of this family and I just believe that as we all get together we'll see God do something miraculous and we'll see the vision accelerated people reached lives changed hope given into the lives of hopeless people and so why don't you pray about what God would have you do and bring your very best offering to Him. You can do that online, you can do it through the app, but whatever way that you do it, I pray that you obey God in the process. And I'm confident of this, the Bible says that when we give, that God gives back to us, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Now let's go into today's message. I wanna take a moment to help frame up our faith as we give today and give you a way to think about it. And then we're gonna to give together as a church and it's, it's gonna be a powerful day all across our locations and, and all those joining us online, you're part of the family and you have an opportunity to sow into everything God's doing. And we believe God will bless you for it. Mark 14 is where we're gonna be reading today. I'm gonna to read a few verses and really just wanna give you a little devotional today. I don't plan to really preach or yell at you. it's not my plan. Um, I can't promise anything. Let me read these verses to you and then we'll get into the word. It says, Now the Passover, the feast of the unleavened bread, were only two days away, and the chief priest and the teacher of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But during the feast, they said, Don't do it during the feast or the people will riot. And while he was at Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man named Simon the Leopard, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. And she broke her jar. Somebody say she broke it. it. Come on, say it every campus. She broke it it. and poured the perfume on his head. She poured the perfume on his head. Jesus is in the city of Bethany. And to give you a little bit of a context, Bethany is um, on the backside of the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is the mountain that allows you to see the first picture of Jerusalem when you enter the city. And Bethany is also the hometown of Mary, Martha, and, come on, we got a few Bible people, Lazarus, that's right. And so Jesus is in a hometown that, that he is very familiar with because the, the trio of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are his friends. And so this is where he is, and he's reclining. And while he is reclining, a woman comes in and gives him A very extravagant gift, and we don't know her name, but as we look at the other Gospels, we get some other understanding of her. One thing you need to know as you study your Bible is there's a thing called the harmony of the Gospels, and the harmony of the Gospels is this. There are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the four Gospels. And um, and when you read a story, most likely that story is also found in one of the other gospels, if not all the other gospels. So it is good to read all the accounts because then you get a harmonious picture. How many of you know that five people can see a wreck and they all give five different perspectives, right? And so that's what happens with the gospels. So all four of them, you get the complete, total picture of what's happening when you read all the stories and all the gospels. And so. That's what's happening here. And I just want to pull out a few thoughts um, from this story. And it's about this lady, about the gifts she's given to inform our faith and inform the gift that we're giving. Because this, this giving season really isn't about money as much as it is about increasing our faith. And we're determined to not... Um, to not In the year on the down. We're determined to end the year increasing our faith to a new level as we go into another year. How many of you know that how you leave one thing determines how you enter another? How you leave one relationship determines how you go into the next relationship. How you leave one job determines how you go into the next job. If you leave one relationship bitter, expect bitterness to follow you into the next one. If you leave one with unforgiveness, expect unforgiveness to follow. If you leave one year with a little bit of faith, expect a little bit of faith to follow you into the next year. But if you're bound and determined to increase your faith at the end of one year, expect, come on somebody, increase faith to follow you into the next year. It's just the way it works. And so I want to point out a few things about her gift. Number one is that her gift was intentional. She had an intentional gift. And, and this isn't really a note-taking Sunday. If you, do, if you just have to, you're a little obsessive-compulsive, we understand your issues. Um, go ahead and take your notes. But I, wanted, I want you to get it really in your spirit more than in your notepad. Are you with me? She brought a gift that was intentional. The Bible says that she brought a very expensive uh, jar of perfume, and we will later learn in the text that that jar of perfume cost a little bit more than a year's wages. And so picture whatever your year's wage, whatever you make on the annual, and add a little bit to that. That was the value of this jar of perfume. That's a lot of money for some perfume. This wasn't the kind of perfume that you sprayed on to go to work. Y'all with me? Yeah. This wasn't the perfume you would spray on to go to a ball game. This is like the perfume you sprayed on when her husband was like, hey, babe, I got an evening plan. I've got some flowers. We're going out to a nice steak restaurant. Are y'all with me? Like, this is for special occasions kind of perfume. And so this isn't the perfume that you just carry around in your, in your bag. Are you with me? This isn't just the the, the kind of perfume that you throw into the toiletry bag when you're going on a trip. This is a special bottle of perfume. And so it wasn't that she just happened to walk by Simon's house and was like, oh, Jesus is in there. I think I'll go in there and anoint him. Because the act of anointing him with perfume or anointing someone with a fragrance was not an unusual thing. It would be in our context. Like if you were at Thanksgiving dinner or just hanging out watching football or something, and someone walked in behind you and was like, Somebody may get hit. You know, some of our campuses, they may pull out a weapon. Are y'all with me? But in this context, that wasn't an unusual thing for feet to be anointed or for head to be anointed, but, but in this moment... The value of what she brought was really intentional. It it wasn't like something she just had on her. She had to know Jesus was at this location, at this time, and this opportunity had presented itself. And so she intentionally thought through strategically, grabbed out of the cabinet the most expensive jar of perfume she could bring, and intentionally went to Jesus so that she could give Him this great gift, and I just hope today that it's been an intentional moment, that that you couldn't wait for the worship to get done, and the preaching to get over, so that you could get to the point where you could bring your jar to Jesus. That it was intentional, that, that, that all week you've been thinking and praying and expectation in your heart and anticipation of the moment where you can bring your gift to God, that it's an intentional gift. It should be an intentional gift. It should not just be a Oh, I'll just give God a, a little pour. Or, or I've got a little something to help out. Can I tell you something? God doesn't need your help. I don't mean that rude or, or offensive. I just, want, I just want to get us in the right context of thinking as we give that we don't give because God needs our help. Are y'all following me? Like you've never had enough to help God. You've never made enough money. You've never had an investment that has went so well. You've never had a business startup that has exploded so much. You've never sold a company. You've never got a contract that has paid you so much. You've never received a commission that has been so great that God goes, if only I could get that, that would really help me. I could finish the streets of gold. There's this one section that I just can't afford. And if you would help, then it would, we could get that thing done. Really hope they help today. God's not after your help, He's after your heart. And when something has your heart, you're intentional about it. When something really grabs your heart, you're intentional about it. You think through it, you think about it. It gets the bandwidth of your mind, it gets time out of your day. It gets, she knew. That she was going, she somehow found out Jesus is at Simon's house and I've got to get to Simon's house because I've got a gift. I've got to get to Jesus. It was intentional. And it was intentional, I think, and it was intentional in its expense because she knew the value of the recipient. That it was Jesus that was going to get the gift. Now, there are two different instances recorded in the Gospels where someone um, anoints Jesus. One where his feet are anointed with tears and is wiped with a woman's hair. And the Bible tells us that's a woman named Mary. And most likely, scholars believe it is Mary of Magdalia or Mary Magdalene. And she had a, a kind of a sketchy past and she came to worship Jesus with tears. But this isn't that Mary. This is a different woman, and from all accounts, it is most likely the Mary, the sister of Lazarus. And she understood the value of the recipient that was receiving the gift because this would be the Mary that stood there and said, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And he said to her, Mary, I am the resurrection and the life. And she goes, no, I know he'll rise again one day. He goes, no, because I'm here. He can rise again today, roll the stone out of the way and Lazarus, you come forth. And she watched with her own eyes, her brother come up out of a grave. And so she didn't bring just some little gift. She brought in a, a very intentional gift to Jesus because she understood the recipient of the gift was worthy of a gift. Sorry, I meant to be at a devotional level. Didn't mean to preach today. I just wanted to give a devotion and then take the offering. But she understood the recipient was worthy of the gift. And I would propose to you that there was a day in your life, if you accepted Jesus, that he said, roll back the stone on your dead living. And he called your name and called you up out of the grave. And grave glows came off of you. And he set you free from some things, from sin and the bondage of sin and the past that was behind you. He said, let them go. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so our gifts should be Intentional. Because the recipient of the gift is worthy of the honor of an intentional gift. This isn't just an offering. I hope you see that. That God doesn't need your money, so he uses the conduit of our resources to get our heart, because where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be also. It was an intentional gift, but it was a sacrificial gift. She gave a sacrificial gift. It was worth over a year's wages. If you do that today, that's amazing, I've never done that. I've given some sacrificial gifts, and, and today uh, I want you to know we, we participate too. It'll be the most sacrificial gift we've ever given in our, in our marriage and our lives. But I've never gone to that level. Are you with me? I'd love to, that would be amazing, but I've never gone to that level. But it was sacrificial. And it was, it was sacrificial too, not just because the value of the gift that she brought into the room, but the extent that she went. Uh, uh, scholars tell us that, that the shape of the container of the perfume would have been like round at the bottom, but then it would have had a long slender neck on it. And then it would have been sealed at the top. So the idea is that she broke off the top of the neck to then pour that out on the head of Jesus. How many of you know whenever you pour liquid out of a container, there is no getting it back? There is no plan B. She didn't come and go, well, God, I, you know, I just I really nice perfume. Just give you a little bit of it. No, there was no plan B for her. She came with the intent of giving it all. She came with the intent of giving it all. And her all was what she had. Here's what I want you to understand today. That it's not about size of gifts. It's about size of sacrifice. Your job isn't to give what someone else could give. Your job is to give what God's called you to give what you've determined in your heart. This is why we've been talking about this since October, so that you can be intentional about it. Because the Bible says this, that we're not to give reluctantly or under compulsion. In other words, not because someone's twisting your arm, God loves a cheerful giver, but you're to determine in your heart what to give. In other words, as God speaks, you predetermine, and whenever God speaks, you fully obey though. Not like God's spoken and you're like, God, I'll go have these with you. <laughs> Can we meet in the middle, God? No, God wants full obedience. Are you with me? Sacrifice is you fully obeying what God has said. That's simply what it is, right? It's you obeying. It's me obeying what God has said to me. It's you obeying what God has said to you. It's no matter where you are that you obey what God has said to you. That's what sacrifice looks like. Her gift was sacrificial. Not only was her gift intentional and sacrificial, but her gift was extravagant. It was extravagant. It, it was, it was a, an incredibly extravagant gift. L- listen, what, it was so extravagant, it bothered the people around her. L- listen to what it says in verse four. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Listen to what it says in verse four. It says, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, so they're kind of gossiping about her, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. So picture this. She's bringing this extravagant gift to Jesus. She's pouring it on him and those around her are beginning to rebuke her harshly. What are you doing bringing that gift? You're crazy giving that gift. That's too extravagant of a gift. And Jesus says this. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Can I tell you something, when you give today, you don't give to a church, you give through a church, and it's a beautiful thing to God. That's right. She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want. In other words, God's saying, you have a window of opportunity, but you'll not always have me. She did what she could. That's what sacrifice looks like. You do what you could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. She prepared the body of Christ. And he said this in verse 9. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world. What she has done will also be told in memory of her. I just fulfilled that truth. Because I'm preaching the gospel. And her story is being told still. In other words Jesus is right. <laughs> her, her gift was excessive. You know. You know. You know, I talked to you about the harmony of the Gospels. You with me? Say amen. amen. If you read, there's, there's three accounts of this act in the, in, uh, in the Gospels. In the four Gospels, it's written about three times. And one of the Gospels gives us insight into who was rebuking her harshly. It was Judas. And the Bible gives us a little insight into his heart. It said, he said this about selling it and giving it to the poor, because he was a thief and he had in his heart to take money out of the bag and he didn't want to give it to the poor. He wanted to keep it for himself. He didn't have a problem with her giving. He had a problem with her giving extravagantly. Can I tell you something? The enemy does not have a problem with you giving, but he does have a problem with you giving extravagantly. Because he understands this. Listen to me. The Bible says, Paul wrote in Corinthians, that he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. The enemy enemy has no problem with you sowing sparingly because he wants to keep you in a cycle of little seed, little harvest, little seed, little harvest, little seed, little harvest. Just kind of getting through mundane life, no fully alive, no living the abundant life God has for you, no seeing God give you major breakthrough in your life. Just keep sowing a little seed, little harvest, little seed, little harvest. Just give a little tip to God. You'll get a little harvest. No, no, he doesn't want you. You sowing generously so you get a generous seed and a generous harvest and a generous he wants to keep you in a cycle of little not in a cycle of abundance which my God says and my Bible says that my God is able to do abundantly exceedingly and above anything I can dream or ask or imagine the enemy doesn't have a problem with you giving today he just doesn't want you to give extravagantly and that little voice in your head will tell you that's crazy it doesn't make sense. You really going to do that? You can't afford to do that. Just the voice of the enemy. He doesn't mind you giving. Just like he doesn't mind you praying. He just doesn't want you to pray and believe. He doesn't mind you coming to church. He just doesn't want you to get fully committed to church. Because the greatest threat to darkness is a believer that's fully alive. But the greatest threat to the kingdom of God is one who names the name of Christ but isn't fully engaged. A lukewarm Christian does more damage for the kingdom of God than a lost person does. So he doesn't mind you giving, just don't give extravagantly. Doesn't mind you praying, just don't pray with faith. Doesn't mind you showing up to church, just don't get in worship in the presence of God filling your heart. Doesn't mind you, just, just kind of move along, just kind of a little mundane. Just don't really, he doesn't mind that. Just don't want you going all in. Because he's as convinced about God's word, more convinced than some of us. Because he knows if you so extravagantly, God will return to you extravagantly. He knows if you pray in faith, God will respond to your faith and answer your prayer. He knows that if you show up and worship God, that the presence of God will fill you and the peace of God that passes understanding. So his curse of anxiety no longer has a hold on you because the peace of God is filling you. He's okay if you show up, just don't go all in. But she went all in, it was extravagant. It was extravagant. And so she broke her jar. And so my question to you today is, will you break your jar? I was thinking about last year's message on this Sunday, I I preached on the stones of remembrance. And I said, you know, if I wasn't in church, I'd ask you, do you have the stones? to give today that <laughs> could be taken inappropriately. <laughs> so I'll just ask you, did you bring your jar? <laughs> Not much inappropriate about that. And here's what I'm praying, is the same thing will happen in your life and the life of thousands of other people as it did in that room because when she broke her jar and poured out her perfume, the aroma of her gift filled the house. And my question to you today is, will the aroma of your gift fill the house? Not, not only will the, the aroma of the gift fill your house and fill our church, But when you break your jar, the aroma of your gift will somehow find its way into hotel rooms where homeless children are living right now. Because your gift will put food in their stomach and provide love and care. And as we break our jar as a church family, I'm praying that the aroma of our gift finds its way into some back alley where some young girl is being trafficked. And our giving will rescue her out and bring justice to the perpetrator and hopefully a really long time in a really lonely cell. And then we'll put a campus in there to reach him for Jesus, but we'll keep him in jail. I pray the aroma of our gift as we break it will find its way around the world and provide clean water for a village that's had none. Not only will we provide them clean water, but now that they're drinking clean water, they won't drink diseased water, and so we'll improve their health. But not only will we improve their health, but we'll build a church right beside that well and not just meet their physical need, but meet the deepest need of their life, and that's their spiritual needs. And I pray that as we break our jars today, the aroma of our gifts will put campuses and other communities that need life-giving churches and plant churches in other states and other nations that need the hope of Jesus. And so when you break your jar, when you give your gift, you're not just giving an offering. You're allowing the aroma of your sacrifice to fill the room fill the house, to fill the houses of many people. Your gift will fill the room of a mom who's addicted to drugs, but finds freedom through our partners. And just where will the aroma go? Most importantly, the aroma will find its way to heaven and be a sweet-smelling sacrifice before the Lord is what the Bible says. And so did you bring your jar? One last thing I wanna show you is that not only did she bring an intentional gift and a sacrificial gift and an extravagant gift, but she brought a legacy gift. Her gift is being talked about thousands of years later. And as I read this, I couldn't help but think about the 50 people that started the church and how that their gifts are now being talked about today. How that because they looked beyond themselves because you know this season is all about beyond me. Some of you today, I can guarantee everybody online, you wouldn't be watching online today if they hadn't given. There would be no online. There would be no camera. There'd be no internet service for us to pay for. There'd be no infrastructure to broadcast that into your home or to your device, wherever you are. There would be no Spotsy campus. There'd be no Richmond campus, there'd be no Stafford. There'd be no King George, there'd be no Culpepper. Wouldn't exist. There had to have been some people that were willing to break their jar and just faithful throughout the years no entitlement no I've done my part I've done enough I've been here 14 years no some of them I saw in the eight o'clock service this morning came up 14 years later still bringing still bringing their gift and I just wonder if in this moment you're willing to look beyond yourself down the road about 15 years from now? And how many thousands of people's lives will be touched because you were willing in this moment to bring your jar in to break it? And will the aroma have spread all over the world? I believe it will. Not only were I thinking about how they gave, I was thinking about some of the stories of how God has been faithful to them and if I could, I just wanna share a couple of stories with you and then we're gonna give our offerings. Is that good? You good with that? Last year at our Kingdom Builders offering, there was a couple. And I on this card that you're gonna fill out and if you haven't, you can get one in a moment. But on the back it says, this is what I'm believing God for. And here's what I want you to know. This isn't, you know, this isn't buy a prayer Sunday from God. It's not, um, you know, put a dollar in God, he'll spit out $5 to you. It's none of that. It's just... It's your gift is a representation of faith. And anytime faith is involved, you should believe God for something. Um, And that's what we as a family have always done. But last year during the Kingdom Builder offering, they didn't really know what to write write down. So on the back of this card here, they just wrote house. And it was a far-fetched thing. They thought there's no way that they could ever get a house. But they wrote it down anyways, and they gave their gift. And they said, fast forward a year, and this year, they bought a house. They said, not only did we buy a house, we're building it from the ground up. And they said, it seems so far-fetched at the time, but they just determined to believe God. And they said, this is the lesson we've learned. Don't doubt God, and nothing is impossible. They said when they did their walkthrough, they wrote the name Jesus on every room before the sheetrock went up. Because they know he gave them the house and they know that it's God's house. I love this one. This is a couple that has been with us for years, been a part of the church for years. And one of the very first times we ever did a giving project, we called it Accelerate. We, we believed it was gonna accelerate the vision. It was actually to purchase the building our Fred campus is currently in. And so this was a two year project though. It was, it was over two years they were gonna give. And so it was, a, it was a long time to make it. It wasn't one offering. It was, it was two years. And so they made a commitment. It was bigger than what they, they had planned, but they felt like God was saying it, so they obeyed it. And wouldn't you know, as soon as they made it, their car broke down. They started to have financial troubles. It's just like the enemy attacks as soon as you go to obey God. And they had some people tell them in their life, just, just don't give the gift, just buy the car and take care of that. And they just said it didn't set right in their spirit and they just couldn't do it. So they... They decided to go without the car and they went down to one car for five months trying to figure out you know, how to figure all that out. And they said it was tough, but they were joyful. And they said in month six, the husband received a bonus at work and that bonus bought them a new car, hang on, paid off their student loan, allowed them to give the entire two year commitment at one time and they had plenty left over. How many of you know our God is overabundant, exceedingly? I love this. So they said, now we only bring our scariest offering to year-end giving. Because God has always shown what he can do. And how about this? Last year, their year-end gift was double the amount they gave in that two-year commitment all those years ago. The faithfulness of God. All my life, he has been faithful. Another couple said that they'd been living paycheck to paycheck their entire marriage. Never able to get on track and never felt like they were in a position to give. And last year, they determined what they could give was what they had set aside for groceries. Doesn't make sense, it's extravagant, it's crazy. Why would you break a jar of perfume? And they said a few weeks later, a job that the husband had put in for, and they'd been praying for, for a year thought it was out of reach been a year two weeks later they got called they offered him the job he started the job shortly after that and they said since then it's been blessing and provision and blessing and provision and blessing and and provision I'm just trying to help you see that God is faithful that God is faithful when you obey God is faithful And I've seen it over and over again in my life. We got the kids together last night, the older two, the younger two. I've told you before, they don't come to family meetings yet. They're not old enough, they're not focused enough. We sat on the bed and I said, guys, um, throughout the scripture, they use this metaphor of sowing as a metaphor for giving. And I said, your mom and I have always sown above and beyond our regular giving. And they go, we know it's Kingdom Builder tomorrow. And I said, yeah, it's Kingdom Builder offering. I said, I want you to understand something about the faithfulness of God. And we took a few moments and we just told some stories. Guys, I want to tell you about the time we were trying to sell our house and it wouldn't sell. It was on the market 100 days. We were about to take it off. And then God spoke to Tammy and said, if you build my house, I'll build your house. And so we gave him that offering. We were about to take it off. And as soon as we gave, we got a call, a full price offer, and they wanted to close fast. Told him about how the, God led Tammy to give. And it's the year we were praying about adoption and they told us it would take two to three years to adopt and we gave in that year in giving and 11 months later, Jonas is in our house. I'm Just telling you the faithfulness of God, it's not by an offer, it's not by an answer to a prayer. Please hear me, I'm not a prosperity guy, but I am a blessing guy. And I believe that God is faithful to what God says he will do. If you found today's message helpful, feel free to rate, review, or even share it with a friend. Also want to encourage you to think about partnering with us, you know, together through your giving, we can take this message around the world and make a difference in the lives of so many people. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to partner with us, you can do so by clicking the link in the description, visiting lifepoint.org give, or via text messaging on your mobile device. Just text the dollar amount of your gift and keyword LIFEPOINT to 45777. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart.